Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Labelled Podcast with me and Lucy. Hello, Lucy. Hello, Alice. You all right? You sound very posh there. I know. I don't know. Hello and welcome to the Labelled Podcast. You sound like some sort of like posh lift. Oh, oh. <laughs> Floor four. <laughs> yes. Floor five. Cafe. Centre. Yeah. <laughs> How are you anyway? All right. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. I think I think the life of a posh lift might be a little bit less stressful than my life at the moment. But, uh... <laughs> you and me both, kid. You and me both. <laughs> so let's get stuck straight into it. I feel like I really have to pull my, my twang back into my accent now and be like, oh, yeah, fucking hell, mate. Let's get a fucking stop back into it, innit? Uh, <laughs> just to balance out my posh lift at the beginning. Um, we've got a guest on this week, uh, Richard Luke. Is it Richard or Rich? It depends whether I'm in trouble or not, so... Well, you're not in trouble, so is it Rich or Rich, Richard? Yeah, Rich, okay. yeah. That's what my, my husband always says. I... Whenever I, because I, I don't, my husband's name is David. And whenever I talk about him, I call him David. Whenever I talk to him, I call him Gravy. Um, and uh, so <laughs> well, whenever, <laughs> well, just, just right, Davy Gravy. Just Dave, right. Oh, Davy Gravy. Okay, I didn't know whether it was some sort of weird nickname. No, no, it's nothing weird and sexual. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> But he, uh, he, he's. Whenever I sort of say, I'll be like, like if if we've got company, I'll be like, oh, David will know, and he'll be like, what, what did I do? I didn't yeah, do anything. No, because everybody else calls him Dave, and he thinks he's in trouble. So, Rich, long back to back to the guest. I'll shut. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, Rich, uh, I mean, we usually start off by just saying, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, well, thank you very much for inviting me along. And be be gentle with me. This is only my second ever podcast, so be kind. Uh, well, a little <laughs> bit about me. Um, I am a man, 44 years old. I live with quadriplegic cerebral palsy. Uh, I am currently working for a disability charity, Scope, as their Cerebral Palsy Information Officer and Programme Lead. I'm a father of one, married, nearly a year off the cigarette, really pleased about that. Wow. Congratulations. That's cool. I That's know. cool. How long had you been smoking? Since I was about 13. Yeah, yeah. I I smoked for about 10 years from the age of about 14. And um, yeah, those first, those first two, where you get the sort of two years, you suddenly go... I can't believe I ever did that. Yeah, yeah. Well, mine was uh, really, I'm of a generation where smoking was seen as cool. 
Yeah. And yeah. and it stopped me getting the kicking at school. So I used to hang around with all, all the cool kids that smoked and stopped getting the mm-hmm. kicking. So it, 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 it served two purposes for me. Increased my credibility and uh, made me a bit safer, even though it hammered my lungs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're feeling better for it now, though? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Certainly feeling better for it in the pocket. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> but yeah, I was I was smelling things and tasting things, and thinking, oh my god, this is great. And then I got COVID over Christmas, oh, no. and I can't smell or taste anything still. So, you know, oh. I enjoyed it while it lasted <laughs> <laughs> for the six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might yeah. as well take up smoking again. <laughs> uh, um, honestly, my my it. daughter would probably like slash my tires if I did that or something. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was a catalyst for it because obviously, you know, in school these days, they're very much on health, quite rightly so, on mm. health and, and sort of holistic well-being. And she really, really laid the guilt on me. And, <laughs> you know, she's like, Daddy, you know, don't you love me? You know, what happened? <laughs> oh, yeah, no! yeah, yeah, I had all of that and... You know, I'd love a Siggy with a Jack Daniels and all this, and we'd be sitting in the garden, I'd be on, on the Jack, and she'd come out, and I'd find myself hiding the Siggy under the table. You know, <laughs> like, you know like I was a teenager again. <laughs> and I thought, this is just not a good look for me, I've got to do something. And then I tried the patches, uh, but the thing was, I was smoking on the patches. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I was a serious addict, mate. I'm not even joking. And, uh, and they used to give me such weird dreams. Yeah. Oh, that's a side effect I haven't heard about. The thing weird is, dreams. I don't, I can't really remember the last time I ever saw, like, not ever saw, the last time I saw anybody drink, anybody drink, anybody, drink, what is wrong with me? Anybody smoking an actual physical cigarette usually you see the people on the vapey yeah and i cannot fathom why anybody would want to vape because a the amount of smoke that comes out of your nose and mouth and around your head and also (laughs) you look like a dragon don't you it also it smells like bubble gum you're like what is that do you know what i mean yeah um, yeah, there's you sort of you think I can understand how uh, people used to be like, oh yeah, you know, smoking's cool. Humphrey Bogart smoked, you know, like you know those. It, you can picture the imagery. You just look like a bit of a douche with your vapes. No offense to any of our wonderful listeners who that's vape. probably forty nine percent of our audience. I'm pretty sure Adam still vapes, so it's at least our editor. So if this yeah. episode never makes it out, it's because Adam's <laughs> crossed with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to take this opportunity to just vape a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no. I've got a discreet vape. I don't know if you can see that. And it doesn't churn out industrial yeah. levels hey, of wait, smoke. You know the ones I mean, though, don't you, Rich? I so do. You look, like, you look like some sort of, you're in pantomime. Yeah. And my, my husband's uh, dad, my father-in-law, um, had because he was a heavy smoker his he had a vape that was called the tank it was just as you expect with something called the tank and i was just like you're a small bald man (laughs) with a huge vape you look like a dick did he have to put the vape on his back like a backpack you know (laughs) (laughs) 
like the things they have in Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When the tube goes into his mouth so he can yeah. take a drag on it. Like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Brilliant, Rich. Well, Rich, can you tell us a bit about your work with Skype, please? And yeah, how, yeah. Um, how you got into that and all that kind of thing. It's kind of kind of a weird way to get into it because I, I was an immigration officer for a Russell Group university, and at the time, um, my wife was pregnant, and I was absolutely shitting myself. I'll let I'll tell you, and I was thinking, okay, because it wasn't the practical things that I was worried about, you know. And Lucy will will understand a little bit here. I wasn't worried about dexterity changing nappies i wasn't worried about how am i going to hold this baby on my lap while we go up to tesco's to get some milk or whatever like that i was worried about how am i going to teach you to climb a tree yeah, yeah. that's insight into my brain so anyway <laughs> while i was at work i won't mention the, the, the name of the russell group university in case they are listening at some point but at quiet times, I would Google search and try and find other men with cerebral palsy in, in my position because I didn't really grow up with anybody like me. And I stumbled across Scopes Online Community. Uh, this was a long time ago, obviously. And I found out very quickly that there was nobody in my position and there was nobody really guiding these young people with cerebral palsy, they were asking very pertinent and relevant questions about their life, about their impairment and things of that nature. Because I'm very lucky. My mum was honest with me. As soon as I was able to understand, she told me what was what. So I've always been really quite clued up on my impairment and the lovely little quirks that we have. Um, so I, from that point of view, I knew it all. So... Um, I decided to become a community champion and volunteer on the online community to talk to young people or anybody that wanted to talk to me about cerebral palsy, my experiences. And I volunteered an hour a night after work every evening. Uh, yeah, because I'm very rock and roll. Um, <laughs> and uh, they created a, a role and I applied for it. And I was in America I applied for, for a bit of a laugh, really, because I'm not really um, an undergraduate kind of London metropolitan type. So I thought, I'll apply for it for a laugh. And I was in America, and I got the email, and it said, oh, you've got the job. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, th this is new. I've got to now commute to London from my, my lovely rainy home in the Midlands. Um, obviously, I'd never commuted before, yeah. uh, so I was shitting myself about mm -hmm. that as well. Because um, where I worked was literally around the corner from where I lived, so I had everything on my doorstep, yeah. you know. So that's how I got into it. And when I started the role, I was able to make it my own, and I've kind of moulded and shaped it over the last, well, I'm in the fifth year now. That is that is the thing, isn't it? When you have a role created for you. I mean, I'm very lucky because my role was created for me, and the the fact that they they've created the roles for for people like you and me, Rich, where you are allowed to go. Well, actually, 
this didn't exist before you met me. Let me try and help you shape this rather than having to fit into some very strict, like, you know, nine to five must be in the office kind of role. It's, mm. It makes it so much easier, doesn't it, to, to work around our needs and, you know, your needs, I, I imagine. Um, but in terms of commuting, like, what kind of things did you have to have in place? Because obviously if it was around the corner before, I, I mean, that could be quite daunting, really, can't it? If starting a new job anywhere is is, is mm. quite daunting. So was was there support in place for you to, to get to and from work? Did you use things like access to work or...? or um, well, kind I of had to look... Sorry. Uh, no, was it kind of suck it in seat, you know, to try and... Oh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, I had no clue what access to work was, and it's going to sound ridiculous because I've been disabled you know, all of my life, I had no idea that all these schemes and everything was out there. So all of my jobs throughout my life, I left school, you know, I've been paying for my own cabs or I've been blagging lifts from mates. I've been wheeling home. I used to wheel home about five miles from a, a job of an agency work. So no, nothing was put in place and it was a very much suck it and see situation. I'd never even been on a train on my own before, which sounds ridiculous, but it's true. No, I love um, a train. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'd never had the need, you know, just black no. lifts, you know. Um, I've soon found out that the rail network is garbage. <laughs> yes. I mean, I love a train. I don't like getting on a train, but I do. That's what I mean. Like <laughs> you yeah. know, well, I like, I like being on a train until I realise I'm sat next to the train toilet. Yes. Well, I've got a funny story about that. Honestly, this one woman, bless her, you know, she went to the toilet and I'm opposite the train because there's a buggy in front of me. Yeah. And somebody, she hadn't locked the electronic lock on the door. Oh, no. And it was like that moment out of the stars in her eyes. And bless, bless her. She, she, she was... She was you know, sorting herself out, wiping old, <laughs> wiping old undercarriage, and the door opened slowly, and like, everyone was there. There was a bloke with his bike. There's a pushchair in front of me, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my god! But do you know what? She styled out that walk past, past a lot of us. <laughs> to be fair, it sounds like something I would do. To be honest, yeah. well, I, I've I've a hundred percent been in that situation. Like, just, just the worst. Because they they're all I feel like they're always changing the design of things. So I'm like, like if if there's a close if the close button and the lock door button are in different places, I'm not necessarily going to see it. I have mm. definitely been like, thankfully, that when I sort of thinking back at the last time that it happened, because they're always changing stuff in those uh, train toilets. That I'd only like I'd shut the door and then I'd only just kind of worked out where the toilet and stuff was when the door started opening again and I went well that's not right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it, it's a chat I've been left on a train and gone back to where I came from because the guy with the ramp didn't turn up I've oh, been God. yeah I've been yeah, that is, see that is my worst nightmare getting yeah. to where I've got to go. I mean, luckily, I am always with somebody who can go, excuse me, <laughs> there's a girl here who needs a ramp. But um, that, it, it, it is my, like that fear, the fear you get in your stomach of, oh, God, nobody's coming. You know? That's, yeah. And I described it as, it's like Russian roulette. It's like, well, I call it ramp roulette. 
<laughs> are, are they there or are they not? You know, this, and we used to play, because obviously I got a bit brave, you know, I'd been going on the trains, I'm a man about town and all this sort of thing. <laughs> so I'm like, let's take the sprog on a train journey and like, to make it exciting for us. So when we get to the station, we're going to play is there a rump or not? And she still plays that now, even, <laughs> even though she's 13 and doesn't want to talk to me very much. <laughs> it is. It's, um, yeah, there is this level of, oh, God, they're not coming. It's just awful, that feeling of, oh, I'm going to be left. But, it, um, could I just give you another brief kind of horror story? Go on. Oh, definitely. Right. I'm, I'm go in, my, in my previous job with the, the Russell Group University, I had to go to UCAS before I was the, an immigration officer. I used to do the applications for various courses, read the applications and say yes or no. So I had to go to UCAS and I was with a colleague and luckily she was lovely, we got on really well and we were slightly late getting back from UCAS to Cheltenham Station. So she gets my chair out, I get in the chair. We're absolutely hightailing it over the bridge. There's my train. I can see it below me. There's the guy. There's the ramp on the wall. I get down there. I said, oh, I'm here. Thank God you're here. Can you help me on? He looks down at me and he says, no, you're late. It's just and I'm like, it is the flipping attitude, isn't it? Yeah. I've said before, haven't I, Alice? You know, the things that really irritate me is the woman at new street station who just is like no i'm sorry you're gonna have to wait 25 minutes to get on a train i'm like but i want to go home now not in 25 yeah. minutes i'm cold i'm wet and i want to go home yeah and i said to the guy i said the the, the rump was literally on the wall behind me i was me. gonna say how how long does it take to put a ramp down it, but they, they, to go up they say you've got to be there 20 minutes before your it's, train which is this is absolute yeah. bollocks Excuse yeah, my French. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, my colleague, bless her, she waited an hour and a half with me for the next train. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that's just another example of like, where's the common sense? And I think I feel like, like, in in twenty twenty two, are we not at a point where we've just got level access trains so that you don't have to dick around with a ramp anymore? You would like think, you would think so, wouldn't you, Alice? You would think like so, I but... do understand that you know there are stations that are all like their platforms are all at different heights and stuff. But you, you know, London's got those Neely buses. You just need surely you just stick some hydraulics on the train. Can we have a Neely train as well, please? Yeah, like it just seems weird that they're still saying. If you're, you're a wheelchair user, you got to get there 20 minutes early because that's how long it takes us to prepare to get a ramp to get you on a train. Can I just say as well, my local train station, um, it, you, there is always somebody there anyway. But when I went, I was going for a meeting for work and I got on the train and the woman with the ramp said, oh, I'll meet you up there. And I said, okay, all right. So I get up there and she's nowhere to be seen. And I went to the top of the... Um, to the top of the stairs to see where she was and she was dawdling up the stairs like she hadn't got care in the way. and i'm like if you don't hurry up i'm gonna miss this train and i am gonna be late for for, for work can you just move please a little bit faster a little bit faster just... it's i think i think that's the thing that's kind of the most frustrating yeah about these kinds of access issues is that you 
you feel like for you, like this is a big deal, but for other people, they're just just swanning along, taking their time. And it's just like, come on, we've been, like we have got lives. We're yeah. not just here for a day on the train, and it doesn't matter what train we get on and where we're going. Like mm. some of us have got to get to fucking work. Yes. Exactly. Well, that, that's the issue. A lot of the people that you interact with. I mean, my lo- my local station known me because I'm I'm a gob on four wheels, but you know, other other places they don't expect people like me or probably Lucy to to be working. No. So when so when you say I've got a meeting, they're like, oh bless, yeah. Everybody you? is always really <laughs> really surprised that I work. Yeah. Well, you know, when the doctors or any like professional setting and they go oh do you work and i go yeah i do and they're like oh that's nice and they they probably think you you know your your job yeah that your job is is also it's gonna be like a volunteering in a charity shop or you know a a local cafe it's and (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with volunteering but it's Mm. just that perception that you couldn't because you're a wheelchair user you're a disabled person you couldn't possibly have a like high profile important intellectual mm. job yeah exactly you know they of course they were what, what you mean you got to stare at spreadsheets all day what are they doing leaving you in charge of a spreadsheet well sometimes mm. i wonder that myself if i'm honest but well, um, whereas yeah. most of my friends think that because they know me but uh, that, that's, that's a different story but you, you're so right you're so right and um there is a place for sort of things like that but come on you know like you said it's 2022 and people have got stuff to do they've got places to go they've got money to earn what, what? yeah yeah it is it's, it's amazing isn't it really it, it certainly is. Um, but what I will say, though, apart from my, you know, quite quite horrific tales, in general, you know, I've had more positive than negative. Yeah, that's, that, yeah that is important to say that, you know, me too, Rich, actually, most of the time, it is a very positive experience. It's just frustrating mm. that, you know, you it's are so The bad experiences down. are so bad that yeah. you yeah. can't. It, them yeah exactly yeah. they don't happen very often but when they do happen you're like oh god yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to write a letter of complaint <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah so lead leading on from that really i think that the single strangest experience i had was using the tube now i'm from the sticks the tube is like this strange world to me and I thought, how hard is this going to be? You know, I'm going to get the tube over to the Queen Oli- uh, Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. So I, I get into Euston, I'm going down the tube, and I'm seeing this just sea of humanity. And the the, the variation of smells of deodorant, anxiety, <laughs> and, and, and depression was just washing <laughs> over me. And McDonald's, you forgot about the McDonald's. Yeah, there's a few of those, mind you. I don't want the smell of fries, so we're all right. With that. <laughs> the, the, the fries and jupe, though, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> and I thought, how hard could this be? And this this woman, bless her, she worked for Transport for London. She was on the platform. 
she was like, yeah, okay. I said, I need to get on this train. I'm going through to the Queen blah, 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 Olympic Park. She says, okay, hold on. She said, when I say go, go. So I'm not listening. You know, I'm like, okay, whatever. These The train falls in, these doors open, and she's like, go. And I swear to God, I was pushed along by a tsunami of people, and I'm in the middle of this train, and I'm holding on to the pole, and all I can see is asses. <laughs> I can't see anybody. I can't see the boards. I don't even know if I'm on the right train, if I tell you the truth. And some people get off, and this woman looks at me, she's sitting opposite, and she's like, are you all right? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> I, ended, I ended up doing the whole circuit. No. Yeah, I couldn't get off. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> couldn't see anything. Well, I had, up until a few years ago, I had never been on a tube train before in my life. Uh, and I went to London to see my friend Tom. Uh, regular mm. listeners will know of Tom. He um, he worked in London, um, and I'd been got, so I went to London to see him and uh, with another friend of mine. And my other friend said, "Oh, we'll just walk to so and so place." And, and, and Tom said, "No, we're we're, we're not going to walk. It's eight like it's, it's a long way to walk. We'll get on the tube." And I said, "I've never been on the tube before." He Tom. Look, we, he managed to get me on this tube, and Tom looked so thrilled with himself <laughs> that he managed to get me on this tube. He was like, "Look, you're on a tube train!" And I was like, "That's lovely." But I also <laughs> felt horrifically sick because I'd been on the Thames River taxi beforehand, and I was on the tube. And I, you know, like tubes are weird, aren't they? Because they sort of move forward but go round at the same time. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever felt that? And it's like, I was like, I feel a bit sick, I feel a bit sick, I feel a bit sick. <laughs> and Tom's just looking at me like, are you going to be, are you all right? Are you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. fine. I just need to get off and have a drink of water. But he was so pleased with himself. As the representative southerner here, I really feel like I have to say just how, <laughs> like, wet behind the ears northern tourists the two of you sound right now sorry, yeah sorry. you're just like oh this magic train what goes under the ground and <laughs> <two> places <laughs> we've we've only just got nearly down buses up here <laughs> yeah and even then when you use a reaver sometimes the, the uh, bus driver's like you want you want to get on this bus oh god i gotta get i gotta get out and get rubbed down like oh god my my favourite is when they pull over and say, "Do you want to get on?" And you say, "Yeah," and then they look around and say, "Is anybody with you?" And I'll be like, "Why want you lose? Follow me." <laughs> Do you know something I don't? Yeah, it was when you said, "Rich," about the unique viewpoint of just seeing everybody's asses. That yeah. is the unique viewpoint of people that are sat down. Um. Just, just you don't, you don't see anything, do you? No, you but but don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it's a bonus. It is, isn't it? <laughs> but I, but I'd say probably sixty percent of the time, <laughs> it's not quite the bonus you'd hope no. for. No, it's. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Like the tube can be a pain in the ass, and it's gross, and people are gross, and there's millions of them. But also, I fucking love it. I love it that you can just be like, like, right, where am I going? Getting on the tube. And it's just done. 
finished that. And oh, like, I, then... I, I love it. I think it, honestly, it was like somebody had first shown me how to make fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you can, know, I well, can get that. Yeah, 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 when I first worked out and clocked how it all works instead of just plonking my northern ass on a train, <laughs> I was like, This is awesome because it did something else as well. It allowed me to give two fingers to taxi companies yeah. who have been fleecing me <laughs> since, mercilessly since the age of 11. Yeah, so I'm like that. Yeah. There you go, Mr. Cub Driver. <laughs> there you go with your extra charges for my wheelchair, pal. Mm -hmm. Do you, you use know? a electric or manual wheelchair, Rich? I use a manual chair. You do, yeah. I do yeah. too. Um, but I know because I know that some people who do use electric wheelchairs, they get an even rougher deal with the they whole do. taxi company debacle because they just look and they're like, "No, don't take that. We don't take that." And you're like, "Well." I haven't got an option. I'm not going to yeah. park it or yeah. leave it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I have. Got, I am from the birthplace of the black taxi cab. Right. And you would think that in the birthplace of the world's most famous taxi, probably up there with the New York yellow taxi, that, you know, it would be really relatively easy for somebody using mobility devices of any flavour to get a taxi you would be wrong you would be very wrong our licensing authority has given the go-ahead for a scheme where the drivers have said wheelchair accessible black taxis can put a certificate in their window saying they're exempt from taking wheelchair users and yep yep so I've got lots of mates that are cab drivers because my family are in the pub and nightclub trade, so I know a lot of cabbies. And so what's happening is this lovely certificate, which could be ripped off and laminated by anyone, it has the disability symbol with a line through it like bloody Ghostbusters. That I just I just what? don't understand the logic behind that it. Is... Why why have they put something like that in place? Like what because... I don't understand. I just don't understand. Because, and I'm not tiring every, every cab driver with this brush, so all you lads and ladies out there in cab land, I love most of you. Um, <laughs> essentially, a lot of drivers don't like getting out and putting the ramp down and helping you in. And the council have also, the licensing authority, have also made it so we have to be strapped in like astronauts yeah. Um, which puts another. So, cab drivers don't want to do it because yeah. obviously. The... I have, I have heard just that. The, just the effort, basically, of yeah. getting a person, a wheelchair totally. user, in your cab. Totally. That... That's really strange. I find that really, really strange. They, I've heard it before where cab drivers are really scared to touch us or help us in case of like insurance thing or like we turn around and say, well, I'm going to sue you. I mean, yeah. that's not. I have had I had an accident in the back of a taxi. I don't know if I've told you this, Alice. I think you might have told me the story. Yeah. Too much wine. <laughs> no, I was on oh, the way back that, from not work. Not that kind of accident. Not, not that kind of accident. <laughs> um, but he he basically hadn't strapped me in properly, and I didn't realise. I got my headphones in, not my, minding my own business, and he sort of took um, 
a roundabout as he was coming onto like a, a dual carriageway too fast. And I went backwards, hit my head on the bulkhead, strangled myself with the um, seatbelt. My boobs had come up under my chin and were like suffocating me and I couldn't raise him. My, my earphones had fallen out. So I was banging on the back of the bottom of the taxi like oh it was my something God. out of Michael Burke's 999. He eventually pulled over and sat me back upright. And as I looked at his arm when he'd sat me back upright and I was all a bit like delirious. I looked at his arm and he got blood on his arm and I was like, oh, sorry, you've cut yourself because I'm thinking he's like run to open the cab door. And um, he was like, no, no, that's yours. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> he oh. then took me home instead of taking me to the hospital. He just drove me home. Um, and then Gosh. after about a week, I went back to work and he, he'd bought some new like straps and stuff. And it was like I was sort of tied down in, uh, yeah. yeah. It was just horrific, really. Um, and well, I didn't sue. So, like, uh, you know, we're not all going to well, be like, don't touch me, I'm going to sue you. Well, what I do now is is to speed it up. I transfer onto the back seat now and just put the seat bar and leave the chair where it is, which is all well and good because I can do that. But what about the people that can't? You yeah, know? exactly. Um, and the, well, the worst experience I've had, this guy, I needed to get a train and they were already late picking me up and this guy is taking his time i'm like come on fella i've got to get a train trying to be nice about it and he's putting a pair of gloves on like see-through gloves and then he's putting a pair of woolly ones on top i was like what's with the gloves and he looked me dead in my eye and without even a smirk or a flinch he said i don't want to catch what you've got <laughs> wow yeah, I mean, I I've had that. I've had that before with PAs at work who have I've said, "Can you pass me that pen?" And they've proceeded to put rubber gloves on before actually passing me the pen. And I'm like, "You're, I've not got like, I've not got some contagious disease." Yeah, it's fine. Just you know, it's... it makes you feel like an alien. Well, I didn't know what I didn't know what to do. I'm not usually stuck for words, but I'm thinking, I need this guy. I need to get to the train station. So I just sucked it up. But honestly, it plays on your mind. It really does. Because the whole day, I couldn't really give my all to whatever it was. I was kind of remember what I was doing. But I couldn't focus on it. So I was thinking, no. bloody how? You know? That's what I don't... I think people don't understand about... You know, we're talking about these little things that happen to us. And, you know, we can laugh about it now. She says as she recounts the story of her smashing her head open on the back of a taxi. Um, but it's like, it's microaggressions, isn't it? These tiny little, mug, it's a drip, drip, drip of the microaggression that yeah. eventually you get to the point where you're like, I have had enough and you blow your top and you just, and then somebody goes, oh, what's up with you? And I mean, we talk a lot about like, you know, ableism and ignorance on this show and things not being accessible because people have just, just not thought it all the way through people you know and i think that that there is i'm not saying that making something inaccessible or being um sort of ableist by accident isn't a bad thing but i think there is something that really really troubling about that kind of mm. active alienating 
um sort of thought yeah Yeah, that's really that's really scary and upsetting that really to me is just like you are so alien and disgusting and contagious that i'm scared to touch you with my bare hands yeah yeah i think i think you're right alice there's um i don't mind if people don't know and if we all make mistakes. We all, yeah. you know, we all make a faux pas every now and again. I, I am perfectly fine with that. I don't get offended if people are genuinely coming from a place of not knowing or not being exposed to different people. You know, I can get that, and I can educate them. I can work with them. I can, I can get through. But like you said, for somebody to take the time to think, do you know what? He might have something. I'm going to glove up. That that's to, to think. I need to make sure I've got gloves in my cab on the off chance that I get a disabled person, so I don't have to touch them. Well, that yeah. could. I mean, he could have those gloves in his cab just in case. You know, he needs to just anybody who's slightly different. You know, it could be somebody's. God forbid, this skin colour. You know, something like that. Could, you know, you, you don't know, do you? I mean, he may also have. Hit those gloves in his cab because he's cleaned up drunk people's vomit 17 million times out of the back yeah, of his cab but true. it's just a bit it is just a bit yeah it's just icky, you're, isn't it? you're sitting there in your suit ready to go to work and there is no trace of alcohol in your system whatsoever you're not going to need those rubber gloves to to it's to deal with me yeah it's that's really dark that yeah. is i think and um, he was absolutely comfortable in yeah. telling me why yeah, you know, if he if if he could have just said, "Oh, I've had a bit of an oil leak, or the ramp's a bit dirty, or yeah. or what, whatever it might be," but he took the ramp down before he put the gloves on. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. no. It's just he doesn't think that's a bad thing. He doesn't no. think no. he's got no shame in it. So no. why would he hide it? He doesn't think that wearing gloves because he's got to touch you is something that he should be like embarrassed to say and i think on the flip side of the coin of this we are lucky to live in a society where stuff like that you know stuff like that experiences of people putting gloves on or making you feel like you're you're otherworldly and oh i don't want to touch or go go anywhere near you is um very few and far between but that means when it does happen it is so it sort of sends you into a bit of a tailspin i went to a, a hospital appointment recently and the woman, I was minding my own business. They were taking some bloods for, you know, for the, for the follow-up appointment. And the woman started asking questions. So she was basically just making conversation. And I I was sort of ask, asking, answering the questions as briefly and as sweepingly as I could because I didn't want to give her my, my life story. Mm. And um, That's she, what so, the podcast is for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> time and place. Time and place. Strangers. <laughs> exactly. Um thousands not millions <laughs> um, we wish we wish yeah yeah anyway so i was being very sweeping with my answers and very generalized and uh, she said do you work i said yes and um she was surprised by that as we've said which is always always amusing <laughs> and then she said she, she asked a few other questions and I, she oh obviously she said have you ever been able to walk i said no i've never been able to walk she goes whatever i said no never that's what no i've never been <laughs> able to walk <laughs> and she said uh, i said no Dumb never she, she went at all i went no and she said oh 
And then she said, I don't know how you do it. And I, I, I sort of went sewing. She went, if I were you, I'd kill myself. And I just went, like, I should like, I should have said something there and then, but I was like, right. beg pardon? Yeah. And then as I went home, the more I sat at home thinking about it, I was like, I am really quite cross about that. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of, you kind of go into a state of shock, don't you? I can't, mm. What? What? And it's the thing, I've said this before, and I think, I mean, I we may be repeating what we've said on another episode, but I have definitely, I have been that person who in the past has said really stupid things like, um, oh God, I don't know what I'd do if I was deaf. Like, I don't yeah. think life oh, is yeah. worth living or something like that. And then you think about it and you're just like, it, that is the biggest crop in the world you're you're really saying that all the other things that there are in life are are, are not worth having because you can't walk or because you can't hear or yeah. like are you like just just take a step back for a second and and think about what you're saying and think about all the things that even if you are completely able-bodied and you can run and you know dance and all of the things like that you're think think about all the things that you enjoy doing is there that you'll you'd rather have none of those just because you can't walk yeah. yes things might be harder yes you may not be able to do all the things you enjoy doing at the moment but you'd you'd rather die just just think about it words can be so damaging and even but it's not even like being the the most vile offensive person in the world either it's the little words sometimes and the but, phrasing and, of and words and you can bet your ass that was a really throwaway comment she oh, yeah. didn't she, she was wasn't like she, what what had happened with her is she started off being slightly nosy and then it had snowballed into oh if i were you i'd, I'd kill myself she she was shocked basically yeah. she was like she went she her brain went i can't comprehend what i would do if i was in her situation because I she's so narrow-minded yeah. so she just throws that comment out and you can bet your ass she never thought about that ever again no she walked off and it didn't cross her mind and you just kind of it, it, it is that like you've just in a in what is a really throwaway nothing comment to you you have just basically said that i should die that my life is not worth living you realize that don't you and people that usually say that type of stuff think it's a compliment because they're actually in a very horrible stupid way they think they're saying how strong you are you know for continuing mm, yeah. to i don't know want yeah. to live <laughs> but mm -hmm. You know, congratulations just, for persevering. Yeah, well, well done on living. Yeah, would you like a certificate? <laughs> yeah, here's a lolly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, congratulations. You know what? If, the, if there were lollies on offer, I'd have one. I like a lolly. <laughs> yeah, where's our lollies? <laughs> yeah, where's our well done, you haven't given up lolly? <laughs> congratulations. In fact, I think I should have a party every week on a Friday just for surviving the week. Really? Do you know what? I think there's a merch opportunity in that. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> we, haven't we, we haven't given up. <laughs> that, that's, the, that, that's, the, that's our little present to the audience of our live event. When well, we happens. needed 
it needs uh, uh on one side it says we haven't given up and on the other side is it's fuck the rest of you <laughs> yeah yeah that's what we need um, or, the, or the, the rest of you probably should on one of those huge those lollies that's like the size of your head that take about five years to eat yeah Yeah. definitely yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, Um, i could do that um, (laughs) you know it's the and i think you know going back to microaggressions and things like that i think when when we when you say say like use twitter for instance when we talk about the things we experience that don't seem like little things, don't seem like big things, sorry, rather than yeah. little things. Um, and then a non-disabled person who you've never interacted with before goes, why are you whinging about that? You're so bitter. Um, and I'm like, if you understood what my day has been like, and then you turn around and call me bitter, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like just kicking a, kicking a, cat when it's down in it really but just just add into that i mean i i am not twitter twitterati i I use it for work i use it to follow subjects i'm interested in and people whose opinions i think are worth listening to or reading but when i've put the occasional thing on there the most vitriol i've got is from other disabled people you know and I never realised there was a thing of, of disability hierarchy. Oh yeah, and yeah, well, honestly, disabled people wasn't... are horrible to one another. If you yeah. want to, if you want to see what bullying is really like, come yeah. and visit the like disabled community because <laughs> sometimes it's it's awful. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm and very I... lucky that I'm, I'm I you know Alice is my friend and we get on so well that. Um, that sounds like you're going to say because if you if I no. wasn't, I'd be really horrible to you. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, but I'm it, lucky I've got Alice on side because well, she's that, a bitch no. to everyone else. <laughs> no, no, she's a real bully. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I mean is, like, there is this level of you know when you meet when you well when I meet anybody that anybody usually so are they going to like be weird because I'm in a wheelchair? Are we going to have to spend 15 minutes calming them down before? we make any meaningful conversation and then when you meet a disabled person it's like are they going to be nice to me are they going to be on my wavelength look at yeah. me when i met alice we are on exactly the same wavelength um but yeah it's that level of oh my god are you gonna are you gonna like start on me like yeah. just because just because i can't walk and you can't use your hands or walk you know so therefore you've got a word it's not disability top trumps is what i don't like playing but but it is. But it, honestly, yeah. and even on, on Twitter, there's loads of. I'll give you a brief, brief story. When I first started my job at Scope, I was trying to like get myself out there so people knew I was around and what I was doing. I was chatting to this lad. Um, he got cerebral palsy, but he got hemiplegia, and we're talking yeah. away. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, he got some issues that he wanted helping out, and he, and he says, "Well, how do you know?" I said, "Well, I've got cerebral palsy." I've got quadriplegic cerebral palsy. And he didn't respond for about 20 minutes. And when he responded, he just put, oh, you're a proper spaz. Lovely. And oh, I lovely. thought, I thought, hello, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, sorry. And then he blocked me. scope, so are you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he blocked me. And I thought, Jesus wept. What is that all about? You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, 
I'm quite a history buff, so I'm I'm well into the uh, I'm well versed in the divide and conquer kind of strategy <laughs> to separate communities from their best interests. But mm-hmm. that really took me by surprise. I was thinking, oh my god. I wanted to reply back to him, at least I can hold an open fork, but he'd block me. <laughs> Two wrongs don't make a right, Rich. No, no I was just, just going to say that. I was like, we are not condoning this kind of behaviour. No, no, and I, and I didn't, I didn't. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving you insight into my inner pettiness. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I went to school with with disabled kids and to the outside to non-disabled people they would think that it would all be like peace and love and harmony and we're all we're all oh, in no. the same boat no it is just oh, i it just make i will never forget some of the stories that paul dart told us when he came on his show <laughs> yeah. um uh, came when we came and he t- he talked about the school that he went to where it was um it was like a, dog eat dog wasn't it really and it was because it was it was largely uh people i think with spina bifida bifida or people with um hemophilia blood uh, bleeding diseases and um and there was just a a full um a full-on like war (laughs) between the two factions (laughs) it was it was i i have to i have to make this joke because i made it at the time and i got very excited and thought it was very offensive but very funny but it was literally the bloods versus the crips yeah just putting that out there for those of you who enjoy the most twisted version of West Side Story you've ever seen yeah but it just just, and like you know people people used to come to interview with um at school my mum was the chair of governors and so would interview a lot of the prospective staff um for the school I went to and she would have People go, oh, well, I, you know, why do you want to work in special education? Well, I just think it's, you know, it's so reward. It's far more rewarding than other schools, isn't it? And like the, the children are, you know, you, they you, they are more, um, I don't know what the word is, like receptive or grateful. Needy. Or, I don't know. Mm. Grateful, um, I think, is a good word. Yeah, grateful, grateful yeah. probably. And and. You know, I, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be such a nice environment to work in. And mom's like, "Are you joking?" Yeah. Like, I've, I've been called into, I've been called into school three times this week because Lucy's being picked on by uh, some other disabled person. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite, it's really quite on. And when, when it happens to you as a kid, as you know, you're, you're being bullied by another disabled kid. At the time, you're kind of like. But aren't we like we're all fighting the same sort of injustices mm. and having the same issues? Just take a step back a minute and calm down, will you? Like, I'm sorry, I'll give you your pencil back. Here they go. Like, calm oh well, down. I mean, if you took a fucking pencil loose, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I I got actually got into a fight uh, and was internally expelled at school, so I had to spend a week uh, doing all of my work sitting outside the deputy heads office because there was a girl in my geography class who I lent my fountain pen to and then at the end of the geography class she said she she wouldn't give it back she was like no I'm going to need it in the next lesson I was like you don't sit next to me in the next lesson so you have to give it back and she said no and so uh, I kicked her under the table and pulled her hair and she slapped me in the face whilst holding on to my fountain pen so 
for about three months I had a red line just down the side of my like for three months what was it permanent marker fountain pen no it was it was I mean it was a fountain pen it cut my face oh sorry wow yeah, yeah. well yeah that's that's, pro- that's propaganda violence man. oh yeah, yeah yeah that's that's me it's because i'm i'm i grew up in love i grew up in london i am just that ghetto <laughs> How fancy wow. are you then having a fountain pen to go? We to had to have fountain pen. No, see, we never I had did. Yeah, I no. did. I had fountain pens. It must be me and my spazzy hands not being able to hold fountain <laughs> pens properly. I didn't say I could write with one, but I had one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. So it is. It is quite unnerving when you get picked on by a disabled person. You're like, excuse me, we're yeah. all the same, yeah. aren't we? Well, well yeah. I had a, I had a weird situation where I I went to mainstream school, but obviously. The the sports and after school sort of shenanigans when they weren't being yeah. taught when I weren't being tortured with physiotherapy, that was like, you know, sort of um, disabled sports, I guess. But yeah. the weird thing was, I didn't really fit in at mainstream secondary school for the first six months or so. And when I was with the disabled kids, they didn't like me because I went to mainstream school, it's and weird, I was just yeah. like, where are my people? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is that, I mean, obviously, you know, this is a disability and chronic illness, health difference, all the things podcast. <laughs> that's not but, really the tagline, Alice, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's really catchy, Alice. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We spent ages on it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, people, people were just kind of, I was going to say tribal, but I feel like culty is perhaps a better, like just human. It's just kind of humanity. Like if people, if people weren't going to pick on you because you're disabled, people are going to pick on you for some other reason, whether it's your gender or the color of your skin or the size of your nose or exactly whatever it is. People like to find an, an other and pick on that person. And, And I, it's, and it is that kind of othering that you know to to bring us nicely thematically back together is it's it's that that then goes on to kind of cause long term ongoing exclusion inaccessibility is because you just you know if you've if you've been told your whole life that person's different that person doesn't fit in why are you going to make space mm. for that person in your community why are you going to make it possible for that person to get into your event or into your building whatever it is because they don't belong and it, you know so goes so far that's so deeply ingrained that there are still people out there that believe that you're so abhorrently different from them that they can catch what you've got and yeah. they don't yep. want that because because if if they catch that, their life's not worth living anymore. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's a real catch twenty two because then you have people, disabled people, not going out, and then when you say to venues or or anything like that, well, why haven't you got accessibility? They'll say because we don't have any disabled people coming to use it. So it's a self fulfilling prophecy, and it's a cycle we've got to try and try and break. Um, and I think that this is a really good opportunity, Rich, for you to tell us a little bit about some of the work that you've been doing to try and break these these cycles of inequality. 
Oh, that, that's a very good segue. That is honestly. I know. Well I know. done. Uh, well uh, done. Uh, that was like the one show that was. Honestly. Watch out, Matt Baker. <laughs> I am coming for you. <laughs> I've been on the one show. He's not as good as that, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but Matt Baker was always my Blue Peter crush. Yeah, so. we, we, we oh. are, but we've both got a crush on Matt Baker, haven't we? Yeah. Is yeah. it the is it the farmer vibe or what is it? What is it? He's just he's just handsome and seems he's, like a nice man. And he can personally. dance as well. He can dance. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I can't think of anything worse than living on a farm. <laughs> no, um, no matter how handsome the man is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'd just get stuck in the mud and the cow shit. So far, yeah, exactly, not for me. Exactly. <laughs> Ritz, Ritz, you want to tell us about your uh, the work you've been doing for the Parliament thing? Yeah, yeah, the sure. So the Parliament thing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> since I started the role with Scope, we've made some headway um, in getting our community. When I say our, I mean the cerebral palsy community. Um, sort of equality to access services and treatments with other comparable neurological conditions and by that I mean we have an adult population that is similar in size to people that are living with MS or Parkinson's yet we don't have the same breadth of support and service. Um, to start with in 2019 I worked on the NICE guidelines, the National Institute of Clinical excellence, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Gu- guidelines for adults with cerebral palsy. So GPs now have a referral pathway um, for when they do see patients that are living with cerebral palsy, and that covers everything from medical needs to helping them, li- you know, get on the path to living independently and just doing what everyone else and and myself takes for granted. So to bolster that. Um, Scope sponsored alongside another organisation um, called Adult CP Hub sponsored an all-party parliamentary group in the life chances uh, of adults with cerebral palsy and it covers everything from treatments um, just like regular MOTs because our condition doesn't change um, neurologically but because of the way we move and the way we use our bodies, because that's the way we design, we have a lot of secondary um, impairments that come because of that. So we have what could be termed as premature aging. And this APPG is a report that has been, took about eight months to come to fruition. Uh, we've held several meetings with academics and people in the community because the, the community's voice is the strongest. And we've put this report together to go to DWP and uh, Health England, NHS England, um, to make some changes for our community. And that will be released really, really soon. And I'll be able to share that with you guys. But I'm really proud of the work that we've done because it's the first change for adults with cerebral palsy in 40 years, 40, 40. That's how long my community, 130,000 adults in the UK have been going without. And I don't just mean in a hospital setting, I mean help to go to uni, to go to college, to go get a job, to find a meaningful job, to go 
to refer back to what we were talking about earlier. And it's about time that our impairment is seen on a level footing. It is the most common physical disability in the Western world. There are 17 million of us. And that's not even counting the people that love people like us and the people that support people like us. There's loads of... And, you know, it's about time the UK grew up and caught up, basically. That's brilliant, Richard. I Round of applause, I think, for that. That was very well said. I'm just putting my hands in front of my microphone and clapping. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... From personal experience, I mean, I have cerebral palsy. You all know that. Um, all the best people do. <laughs> uh, and whenever you try and, you know, when I was growing up, obviously I had cerebral palsy as a child. And the support we had in place for me while I was growing up as a child was second to none. Everything was, you know, is she getting enough physio? Is she getting enough movement in her legs? This, that, the other. I get to like 17 17 and more or less overnight stopped overnight click of your fingers like turning off a light switch and from then on i have had to fight for physio for standing frames for all this kind of extra support work and every step of the way just feels like another mountain to climb so i am in full support of of this movement that you've got going with the parliamentary because anything that you you know you google symptoms of cp and it's like children with children with you know and it does nothing really to do with adults and the health of adults with cerebral palsy premature aging i can because i wake up every morning and feel like a 93 year old and i am only 34 which is depressing um and i know i ache more now than i have ever ached in my whole entire life when i was at school and i was a kid and stuff i never used to ache like i ache now um so i know that my body is changing and i know that it's you know but we don't know how bleak it could get and um no and so i am in full support of of everything you are trying to do with both scope and the adult cp hub which i you know i i know a little bit of i've worked with them a little bit uh, in the past yeah. so congratulations well, well th- thank you so much and this is this is really the crux of of the problems in our community our community has above the average incidence of anxiety and depression has you know some serious issues that could be easily solved and it won't shock you to learn that i speak to roughly two or three gps a month that will have a patient or patients with with cerebral palsy with differing uh, types and severities if i can use that term and they will call me because obviously the scope no get put through to me and the first thing they'll say more often than not is i thought it was a childhood condition now this is an absolute myth that we have to break because i don't know about you when i hit puberty i didn't all of a sudden start playing for liverpool you know i didn't no, all of a sudden... no it's not like my 18th birthday and my parent working legs arrived <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got your adult legs, though. Go and be free. Yeah, it's like baby teeth. 
But that that is that is fundamentally the issue when you've got so many people in professions where they've studied a long time, you know, and they're far cleverer than I will ever be in that aspect. And they're still coming to me, rich, you know, from Kov, and they're saying, I thought it was a childhood condition. And you think, oh, my God, this is what we're <laughs> up against. This yeah. is what we're up yeah. against. Yeah. You know, and I'm really, really passionate about that. I'm really, really passionate about people with cerebral palsy from working class backgrounds that don't have the money for the private physio and the equipment. I'm not diminishing the experience of the people that do have the funds for that kind of thing, but it's a different world. And that's yeah. where another bit of intersectionality of disability comes into play. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you know social services is, is as someone who, who sort of works in social care, the, I, I see how stretched social services are mm. and I know that the waiting lists and stuff for things and when the things that you're waiting for are a hoist to get you in and out of the bath you just think the dig the 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 18 months you've got to wait without dignity without actually physically being able to independently facilitate washing mm. yourself things like that is yeah. it's it's really it's it's heartbreaking to see and of course, you think no wonder people in those situations don't want to go out, don't feel able to get work, don't feel able to socialise yeah. because they can't even do a basic thing like, you know, no. bathe themselves independently yeah. because they haven't got the, because, the because going Because going for a bath or a shower feels like a mountain in itself. Oh, absolutely. You know? And I'm so passionate about it because I mean, I'll, I'll show you guys, I don't care. Who knows? But when my parents divorced and dad went off and did his thing and moved back to ibiza and all that i hope my sisters don't hear this but um <laughs> when he when he buggered off um my mum was left with me and my siblings and we were in a two up two down terrace and i used to have to crap on a commode in the living room mm. because there was no yeah. downstairs loo and for yeah. mum to help me up the stairs She's out, she's probably four foot eleven, dripping wet, bless her. You know, it it, it weren't happening. So I have yeah. a very real insight into the. You are more disabled by your financial situation. Absolutely. When you are disabled. Mm. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah, and that's why you know when people talk about uh, disability benefits and things like that, you know, I. I spend my benefits on taxis and yeah. my benefits make up the difference between uh, petrol costs because I, it's not as easy for me to just no. get to somewhere. Yeah. I can't just, you know, I can, I can get buses and things, but it's not as easy. It's stressful. No. It's, yeah. you know, and, and it's just, again, it's that a, a big part of the, what society doesn't see about disability, and everybody so think... thinks as well, don't they? That that you know, all oh, disabled people, we've got a cushy number. We get a check from the government every month, and we get the the, the bonus at Christmas for being a good disabled person. But that does that, and every day, Daisy will tell you about this. Daisy's far more; she can tell you how much it's gone up over the years. Our historian, but it's something like ten pounds or something. Five yeah, pounds. Yeah, you get ten, £10 pounds. At, ten pounds at Christmas. Ten pounds at Christmas for being a good disabled person, 
And Lucy, Lucy, how dare you? We get free cars as well. <laughs> I know, we get, I know. Honest to God, I'm sick of deliveries of free cars. <laughs> yeah, Jack, Jack, you returned oh, uh, last week. <laughs> I, I, I've had to move the bloody peacocks off the lawn to put the cars on it. <laughs> I know. And you just think, none of it is free. It's all means tested. Mm. You have to have poke, 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 prod, prod, prod. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, I'm, just, I'm I'm in the process of getting a new lift installed. We've had to sign a document that promises that we won't leave, we won't move house uh, for 10 years or ever. Um, don't worry, I don't intend to. But, it, like, we, we are not now allowed to move away from the house because they have put a lift in. Yeah. Um, how dare you want to move? No. The house um, that, that your parents have been paying the mortgage on yes. and working for you know yeah, towards yeah. paying their whole lives yes. but the house that is is their house yes. but because you don't happen to have 30 odd grand lying no. around to make it accessible you now have to promise to stay there and, and, and i mean i on the one hand i get it but yeah, on the I other it. hand it's it's just not it's just not fair no it's not i mean it's it's not and, and i have to actually take lucy to task again she could have that money if she saved up a 10 pound christmas bonus <laughs> yeah that you know? is true if she didn't fritter it away on starbucks <laughs> coffee you yeah, know i know it's about uh, no lucy's lucy's uh lucy's a gin drinker that's I not her problem she spends oh, it that... down the fucking pub <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> yeah she's, she's a woman yeah. after my own heart <laughs> but um it's <laughs> You know, you just think none, none of it is free, and and like, and also when they were discussing, you know, financial thing, I've had to provide three months worth of bank statements so they can make sure that I'm not actually, I haven't got enough money to to be able to pay for the lift myself. I haven't. Um, and then they asked what my husband did for a living, and I went, "What husband? What do you <laughs> do? Uh, he, <laughs> he's a professional, non-existent person. He's, a, he's actually he's actually Hugh Jackman, but we keep it on the quiet. Yeah. Um, even he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's that kind of thing, and you think, and I went, I kind of went, "What husband?" She went, "Oh, no, okay, that's not a problem because if if you know you did have a husband, we would have to take into account his earnings." I'm like, "Why? He's not going to be using it." It's me um you know it's that kind of thing you think yeah it's not free it's not as cushy as you think it is i got turned down for a disabled facilities grant because i earned too much money i work yeah. for a goddamn charity let me tell you <laughs> nobody works for charities to get rich no you know? No. <laughs> no, no, no you know if Beryl, if Beryl and her mate stop going into the scope shop i'm knackered <laughs> but is this level of you know oh they get everything for free now, it, might, it might look to the untrained eye like it's free yeah. but it's yeah. it's not no it's not you know the car the car comes out of our benefits and i'm not doing a where is me poor old violin player but i just want to i just want to reiterate to anybody listening to this that you know just because you think we get all loads of free stuff and free toilets and free you know stuff in the house to help us it's not it's not for, and, and uh, you know what i would also caveat that with is you know what about the the kind of the the, the life cost yeah. like uh, people can have my benefits if it means that i don't have to get migraines because my eyes work like yeah. i'll sw yeah. i will swap you yeah. to working eyes 
I will swap you my my legs not being able to work for me to go and have a few nights out with my friends and not have to worry about pain the next day versus yeah. like I've been run over by a steamroller um, and having to go to bed at seven o'clock at night and feeling quite isolated and lonely because yeah. I should be for, downstairs with my family. For the, for the, for the free lift and the yeah, free yeah. yeah. Right, so. let's wind things up because I okay. have to finish. And uh, <laughs> and uh, not that this is, this is very interesting and I could talk for ages and um, you know, the the starting on that topic of you know the the inequality the, the yeah, inequality let's not get across, fired up. Uh, no. the disabled community I think is <laughs> is really fascinating uh, but you know I got shit to do so um, <laughs> Rich uh, you said one of the things that our listeners can do to really help with your uh, cross party piece is that is contacting their local MPs telling them about it asking them to support it. Uh, is that something that they can do through the Scope website? Um, eventually, we hope so. I'm, I'm going to design uh, a template so you can just put your name and it will find your uh, Member of Parliament and it will just have all the wording for you and you can just send it off. And Brilliant. The, the more Members of Parliament we can get to back this, the more likely... The, the government departments are going to take it seriously and affect the change that we need. And I also briefly want to mention my my other work, the other string to my decrepit bow, um, <laughs> and that's my work with SHADA, the Sexual Health and Disability Alliance, and a great group called Love Abilities. Um, if anybody wants to reach out and, uh, you know, in a relationship sense, not to me. There are other experts. You don't have to talk to me and wash your filthy, sexy linen in public with me. Um, <laughs> but I do a lot of work with them as well because I see that a lot in our community that, you know, people just want to get some and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> there's, so much, what, there's so much I could say right now. And like, like can we just leave it? Leave it I think... I think that's, that also sounds really, really interesting, Rich. We've started doing bonus content in our newsletters. So what yeah. might be really cool is if you could uh, perhaps contribute a written piece for us to go out in one of our newsletters about the Shada work and, uh, you know, that those those kind of is the issues that the disabled community experience in terms of relationships and sex. Yeah, can do. Can do. We can perhaps, get you, awesome. we can perhaps get, on, uh, get you on for a... Uh, another episode as well to talk about that mm. specifically as yeah. well i think i'd love to awesome in the meantime uh once we you've got your um page up on scope where people can support that if you send that over to us we will make sure we share that out if, uh, to everybody so everybody can find how to support uh the cross-party piece on our social medias and things like that um do you want to plug yourself on twitter or anything like that uh yeah my name on twitter is speeding caesar uh i don't know why but i've had it since the, the birth of <laughs> the birth of the internet and i've never changed it uh, my mate had one which was asat shagging but i thought i'd be a bit more classier than he was uh, <laughs> um, and well you can't find me on facebook because i'm quite a private person um 
Yeah, follow me. I, on I really wouldn't have guessed that from this episode. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm lying. You can chat to me on Facebook. Um, but if you want to talk, if, if you want to talk to me, you can always uh, log on to the Scope Online community, and we can have a good chat. And I can try and sort out all your ailments and maybe get you laid. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. I'll be in touch. No, 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 no. Hold, hold on, hold on. Disclaimer, disclaimer, not by me. I'm happy to know it. Okay. All right. Oh, that was brilliant. Thank you so much, Rich. All right. Thank you Thank for having you. me. I've loved it. You're Thank welcome. you. Bye. Thanks, Rich. We will see you guys another time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labelled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs>